You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Station One listeners. Welcome to another episode, and it is a big one, folks. We've got a huge one for you this week. We have a double feature for you featuring not just two TV shows or like we've been doing, but a movie and a TV show. Just because there's so much content and so much information, we are going to be featuring the new Brad Pitt film. We're looking at Bullet Train. We're going to be doing a full review of it. And then after that, we are going to be doing season three of The Umbrella Academy. That's right. Netflix series, which just um, released a couple weeks ago. And finally, most of us got caught up with it after being you know, enthralled with Stranger Things. Then came Umbrella Academy. And, you know, as soon as we're done that, I think we're on to Sandman next. So Netflix is just pounding it like, boom, let's talk, throw more stuff at them, more stuff, more stuff. It's pretty awesome. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And, folks, we are going to be spoiling it for you tonight. So if you haven't seen either of these, please watch and get a chance to talk about it with us. We definitely would love to hear from you. And this man, who is definitely never been on a bullet train or never had an umbrella to join the umbrella academy is mr mike gordon howdy man you make me sound like i got nothing well okay i don't have anything so uh <laughs> you've got yeah, your I, never, you've, you've got your howdy of course you got something uh, i've got my howdy right uh yes i've never been on a bullet train before and uh, i do have an umbrella somewhere in 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 this uh mr whoopie like closet but um uh no this is great you know there's as we've talked about many times especially this month it just seems like the content that we are getting is we there's an overabundance our our cup literally has uh overflowed so yes we are bringing you these double episodes uh full of uh the amazing insightful uh discussion that you hope to get from us from us <laughs> i don't know if that's we can get that you know i think you're giving us a lot of credit we might have to bring the sparrows in to take over for us tonight <laughs> yeah we may may just do that but uh, and as mike pointed out yes we will be uh full of spoilers in our discussion uh of both bullet train and the umbrella academy season three so be warned if you have not seen either uh but if you're just here for umbrella academy talk and you don't care or haven't seen bullet train you can just look at the timestamp in the show notes and fast forward to that section exactly and it's going to be a ton of fun you're going to be missing out on a lot of great discussion we're going to be talking all about it and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home please write us feedback at earthstation1.com let us know what you guys thought of the film or the tv series we definitely would love to hear about it we love reading your emails up on the show sometimes it's pretty cool of course, as always, you know, thank you to everyone who subscribed to us, everyone who's to helped keep us sustained with our Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find our show wherever fine podcasts are found, and you can, of course, find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can actually help, help us support us. We would really appreciate it. And you know what? 
Every little bit helps, and we like giving back to you guys. We actually, next week, we'll probably have a new episode of ESO Board Silly, an exclusive show for the ESO Network. And while you're up there, you could also, you know, we've never even really brought this up. You can find old shows and old episodes of not Earth, just Earth Station 1, but also Earth Station Who and the Dragon Con Report. Um, all exclusives are kept up on Patreon, and, you know, that's a nice little thing. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you have your own RSS feed, and you can actually go in and actually, you know, have it play on your media player, and you have access to all of those three shows all at once, and you, it's pretty cool. Just a little bonus. I, I actually just found out about that not that long ago, so it's pretty cool. Also, a big shout-out to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optics is our place to go for sunglasses. Sunglasses are much in need of the part of the country. Yeah, it doesn't help cool things down, but it makes you look cool. So definitely check out Tifosi Optical. And you know what? As a way of saying thank you, even on top of sale prices, we have a coupon that will give you a nice 10% off. Like we said, not just um, sale prices, regular prices too. And it's just not one pair. It's your whole order. Check it out. Put Earth Station 1 in the coupon codes and go to tifosioptics.com. You got a great deal, folks. That's tifosioptical.com. Hi. There's a gun on you. It's the quiet car. Can't use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. Okay, what am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. It doesn't get simpler. You stab me? Yeah! We ruin your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you! There's nothing simple about this job. Something else going on here. Yeah, I'm not the only one on this train looking for this case. Evan, mm. where's the briefcase? Oh, it's not shit. It was just there. We are right on schedule. Everything that's ever happened to you. This is gonna sting, bitch! Oh. Has led you here. Fate. That's a shit deal. Oh, no, thank you. You know what? Do you have um, anything sparkling? That's the one. Thank you. Domo arigato. Sure you want to talk this out? Not particularly, no. Okay. So now it's time for the first part of our double header. We are looking at the movie 
Bullet Train. I think this is our last summer movie that we had on our schedule. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this one. Was it what we expected? Because I think most of us who did the summer movie preview actually had this on our list of something we were looking forward to. I hope to God it lived up to everyone's expectations. Take it away, Mikey. Uh, yeah, we are beginning our show with the end of the line, bullet train, the end of the line of the summer movies, as you said, Mike. Um, and we've got our part of our movie crew here. Ashley is back with us, of course. Hello. It feels kind of sad that we're already at the end of summer movie season. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of ending a little too soon, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if we just have gotten it back after some movies were pushed back due to the pandemic. So now it's over and I... I still kind of want more, but I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> to come in fall and winter that will keep us occupied. Well, yeah, there's definitely some more stuff coming, and it's been an interesting summer. Um, and it's, it's, this is an interesting film to end the summer with. But uh, we also have joining us uh, for this segment, Rob Levy. La- Rob, welcome back as well. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's go into it real quick. Um, Ashley, what were your thoughts going into Bullet Train, and did it satisfy, as Mike said? Yeah, so this is one of the movies I was most looking forward to this summer. After I saw the trailer, I thought I hadn't, I didn't know anything about it. And I thought that just looks like so much fun. It's one of these big over the top action movies. I like this setup of where you have most of the action happens in this very narrow space over a short amount of time. Like basically, your it's kind of like a way more over the top murder on the Orient Express. Like you're all trapped on here and all your characters and all your action and all your plot is going to happen in this one space. I will say that for the most part, I enjoyed it. Like it's a good popcorn flick. Um, There's lots of action. There's some laughs. I didn't enjoy it maybe quite as much as I was hoping it to. I was thinking about after I walked out of the theater and I think maybe sometimes they pushed the humor just a little bit too much. Like not all the jokes landed, at least for me. And some of the bloody violence was just a little bit too much also for myself. And, um, I found myself thinking, I think I would have enjoyed this movie even more if it had been directed by Edgar Wright, because I feel like it kind of lines up with some of his style and personal taste, but it wasn't, it didn't feel quite as clever or quite as good as maybe Edgar Wright would have done it. So again, that could just be my personal taste. And I don't mean for it to sound negative. I did have a good time and I enjoyed it. It just maybe not quite as much as what I was expecting to. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting. Yes, Edward Wright would have been an interesting choice uh, for this uh, directing style, um, for sure. Um, but uh, Rob, what uh, what did you think? So, for me, um, I didn't really see much of the previews or trailers or know much about this going in, um, which was exciting for me, because there's very few times that happens. Um, what drew me to it is that it reminded me of the really great Hong Kong movies I loved from the 90s and early 2000s, a lot of the, like, Bullet to the Head and a lot of those Chow Yun-Fat movies, it just kind of had that kind of feel to it. Um, and it looked like just something, it wasn't set in America. Uh, it had an international cast. It just looked like something that was going to be, you know, kind of a blockbuster, kind of a blockbuster film, but a little more sophisticated or a little more interesting in the setup. Like, so that that kind of drew me in. Now, after seeing it, it does remind me of all 
a lot of those Hong Kong films that I liked. But it also, and this is going to be a very strange left field kind of comparison. Um, Ashley mentioned uh, Murder in the Orient Express, but it reminded me of that mashed up with like Knives Out. Because um, it kind of had the Knives Out kind of narrative of bringing people in, giving them backstories. Every single person was a character, even the sort of incidental characters were um, you know, given their own full rich background. And I just, you know, it just felt like it really came together well. And, and I realized that, you know, it's flawed and I realized it's probably not perfect, but to me, it just felt right. It's everything I wanted in an action movie. It was, it, it wasn't, it was dumb without being too dumb. It had violence without being overtly violent. Um, and it had just a little bit of humor. Although I do think she's right. Some of the humor didn't quite stick, but um, that could just be an age thing. It could be, I don't know. It could be 10,000 different things. But yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I thought the best thing it had going for it is just the pace that it had. For an action film that was very sort of slowed down and cerebral, they paced it really well, which is really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, what about you? What did uh, you think going in? Well, going in, you know, this was one of my picks for a movie I was looking forward to when we did our summer movie preview. And it was like, very tentative. I've started doing the wrong thing like on Thursday and Friday by starting to read reviews for it. And a lot of it uh, was just like I was looking at it and I was going, okay, this is interesting because a lot of it was, you know, expectation, looking at it, looking at, you know, knowing the source material based off the book it was written off of. And then the direction, and it kept on going back. And a lot of the reviews I was seeing, a lot of people were were comparing this to Smoking Aces, which came out a few years ago. And I liked Smoking Aces, but I thought it wasn't very organized. And I started getting fear of God type thing. Uh, when I started watching it, all my fears went away, literally from the very first scene. And, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about this one because this one was a lot deeper than I expected and a lot more cameos than I expected. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. And that's what I needed over the weekend. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I agree. You know, we didn't uh, start, um, you know, unfortunately, Alex didn't join us. So um, we didn't start with the box office. Uh, Bullet Train grossed uh, just a little over $30 million, uh, in the United States and Canada, um, about that much in other territories as well. So it did about 60 worldwide. Um, it's considered a big disappointment, uh, considered a big disappointment by Columbia, who put a lot of marketing into this. I think, you know, we kind of, when we did our uh, box, uh, our summer box office thing, we kind of all thought this was maybe a sleeper hit, right? Well, as we got closer and closer to the release date, there was no sleeper about it. Uh, uh, Columbia was putting it out there and out there. I mean, TV spots everywhere. I mean, this thing was everywhere. It was hard to avoid the ads. Uh, although I did manage to um, uh, avoid a lot of them, I think, because uh, a lot of it was surprising to me. So I did appreciate that. But um, yeah, I thought this was going to be a a pretty good, like, fun movie to see. 
uh, good popcorn movie. Um, uh, you know, Brad Pitt is solid in almost everything he does. Uh, I didn't worry about that. The, the rest of the cast looked like it was going to be fun. It seemed to have that sort of, um, as Rob pointed out, some sort of, you know, the sort of knives out, but it was also sort of, it's it's done by the production company that, the, that does the John Wick movies that did uh, uh, Atomic Blonde, that did those. So I, I, uh, Nobody, which I still haven't seen. Um, and so I kind of expected something along those lines. And I got that. Um, I did get that. And it was fun. I walked out of the theater, uh, you know, smiling. Uh, the, the soundtrack is awesome. It's hard to like, not like love a movie that starts with, uh, you know, a Japanese rendition of uh, Saturday Night Fever with uh, Brad Pitt, just like introducing Brad Pitt's character. You're like, okay, I'm here. Right. Uh, and then the way that the, the sound, uh, I can't remember what the last track was, but it was like, yeah, it's going to leave you feeling good when you leave the theater. Um, it's a pretty, and I had a fun time, um, but that's about it. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't get anything more from it. Um, I think, you know, reflecting on it uh, this afternoon, because I just watched it today, reflecting on it uh, this afternoon, I, I feel like we're now in the age where, you know, the like 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe, God, I'm old. Uh, we had, you know, filmmakers like Robert Rodriguez, uh, Quentin Tarantino, um, Guy Ritchie coming out, and you could see that they were inspired by, the kind of Japanese films and, and, and a lot of like these pulpy adventures that, um, that they incorporated in their style. But it, now it seems like we're at the age where this generation of filmmakers, and I know that, you know, the, the director, uh, David Lynch is not that, that, not that old. He's only like, I don't know, he's not even 10 years younger than me, but still, I think they are more referencing like the Tarantinos and the Guy Ritchies and like they're like there you're incorporating those kind of movies instead of the original source movies, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's a generational thing, but I kind of feel like this was more flash than substance um, uh, for me. So I, I did have a good time, but I didn't get any more to sink my teeth into in this, in this movie. Um, and we can talk more about the details. In fact, we will now um, actually, What's uh? What's something? Uh, what a oh, bargain! <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Uh. What's something from the movie that really stood out for you as a positive? Yeah. Well, one of the things I liked best was the different characters and how they each got their own introduction, backstory, and I really loved this cast of characters and their performances behind them. It made me want to go look up the book that this was originally based on to see. Like if there's more in the book or how much the movie deviated from the book. So I think it did a good job with that. It's kind of fun seeing Brad Pitt and he's supposed to be this, you know, agent, um, assassin, whatever, but he's, he's just kind of vibing through the whole movie. He's kind of chill and he's not like this hyper violent, intense guy in despite his efforts to de-escalate things just keep getting crazier and crazier. I really liked the pair um, Tangerine and Lemon. I thought they were a lot of fun and enjoyed seeing their back and forth. I felt like sometimes the Thomas the Tank Engine joke was carried on just a little bit more than it should have been. But um, I did think it was funny at the end where he gave the, the girl the diesel sticker, like this is for you. 
And I also, again, I really enjoyed the plot. I liked seeing how it developed and how quickly things moved along. So I really didn't have any issues at all with the plot or the characters. I thought it was an engaging story. And again, it made me curious and want to go pick up the original book to find out kind of what, what more could be going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, put a pin on on uh, Tangerine and Lemon because I, I think that uh, we'll definitely well we could talk about them now because they they you're right they practically steal the movie uh, from Brad Pitt um, much like you know uh, Vincent and Jules do in Pulp Fiction very very similar vibe that they're going for there I think um, but like as everybody's pointed out less so less funny like less like like I wish that somebody had really gone on maybe a comedy writer or something had gone over the script because it does need some punch up, I think um, in a lot yeah. of ways, but, but um, yeah, I, I definitely think they were like a big highlight as far as, uh, as far as getting to know them and seeing them because we do spend almost more time with them, I think, than we do Brad Pitt's character, Ladybug. To a point yeah. you do. And I also like, Throughout the first part of the movie, I was wondering, are they going to betray each other or sell each other out? And then you realize how close they are together. The fact that they grew up together. And so um, how devastated they are when at times they think the other one has died. So that was kind of a nice twist to see like they really were bonded together. And they were not just two um, hitmen that were maybe going to betray each other when things got rough. Right, right, because you didn't know if that was a uh, that could be a possibility. Yes, uh, um, Rob, any thoughts on on those two in particular? Um, I thought they were, you know, terrific. I I really did love the Thomas the Tank Engine thing um, <laughs> because I just kind of like a lot of people just kind of toss Thomas the tra- Tank Engine on the scrap heap of popular culture and don't pay any attention to it. And um, I thought that was fun. I really sort of thought the. Um, the subtle references to some of these samurai films, you know, in it were really cool. And I have to say, I loved Michael Shannon. Um, it's nice to see him counter cast. Cause he always, I mean, he is one of, he is an amazing actor to begin with, but he always mm-hmm. does these like very hardcore intense characters. And here he's just kind of having fun and being goofy. Right. And some of the best, and I wish they would have done this with the other parts of the film. Some of the funniest parts of the movie are Michael Shannon, like not trying to be funny, but being funny by not mm-hmm. being funny. And I think that kind of an attitude <laughs> would have worked with some of the other jokes. Right. But he had a chance to make that character really over the top and just really um, sort of just chew up scenery. And he was very restrained with it. And um, they kind of build you up that he's going to be this like over the top gang lord. He's actually very nuanced and much more intelligent than you expect. Right. So I, I really like what they did with his character. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty. I thought actually almost in every case, the actors rose above what was written. Uh, if this had been, you know, in the hands of less talented folks, uh, this could have been a disaster. <laughs> oh, very much so. Very, very much so. The yeah, same script, but an absolute disaster. I think everybody uh, came in and gave it like, 
like punched up their characters a lot more than probably what was on the page. I think uh, that's what I, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, what's another either character or something else positive that you liked about the movie? Well, Lemon and Tangerine were my favorites. They were awesome. And yeah, I did see the, you know, kind of the whole Jules and Vincent from Pulp Fiction. They were trying to go for that feel a little bit, but I have to give, Kudos big time to uh, the young lady who played Prince. Oh, Joey she, Joey, she was amazing. She was ruthless as hell and was able to turn on the poor me, poor little girl thing right then. And then in the next instant, like the venom was coming out of her, her mouth and everything. She was awesome. I think, you know, I enjoyed her act and I like how they threw it in because, you know, I liked how they said there's another, you know, there's another big on this, on this train and I don't know who it is yet. And I, I loved that. And, you know, she had her motives and I like how they didn't reveal that she was the daughter until almost the end. And she got what came to her, which was awesome. <laughs> I thought yeah, she was going to yeah. get away. Yeah. There were some things that really worked for me. Don't get me wrong. There's some twists. Uh, the fact that, uh, Prince was uh, the daughter of White Death was pretty like, whoa, okay, that's cool. I didn't see that. It made um, sense, though. I mean, they made it work, sure. And her death by a truck of tangerines, you feel like, you know, is is fate. And then you realize who the driver is. I mean, these were really, really nice reveals that were done really well. Um, I do feel, though, that Joey King stood out to me as amazing Again, that's another performance that I think did more than with the character than I think was originally written because uh, I just like she dis she would disappear for a long time, um, and uh, you know a lot of characters would do that, and a lot of these actors who you thought, oh wow, cool, uh, like you know Bad Bunny is like you know I like he has a pretty impressive part to begin with, and then he just like you know pretty much. <laughs> gets killed like right away and you're like oh okay um but uh but going with things i liked uh i definitely liked like i said brad pitt i liked tangerine and lemon too i thought they were pretty good um i agree with uh rob the, the michael shannon white death character was was pretty unique I, having a a russian uh japanese uh boss was was pretty cool uh, and I'll also give, um, I'm going to probably mispronounce his, uh, his name, uh, his first name anyway, but Sonata, like the elder, uh, the oh, father figure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what an amazing uh, performance he gave as well. Very cool. Uh, I really like, you know, every time I see that guy in a movie, I'm like, oh, I smile because I'm like, I know he's going to deliver. And in this one, he just delivers in spades. I was just like, wow, this is. That guy, uh, I mean, he sort of saved the last act for me because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, where it was going to go, uh, but I was really excited when he got on board the train. You know, um, I also like the, the little slight uh, sight gags they did with the conductor. They were very short. He was annoying. He got in and out, but those I liked those too. Those were funny. Those were cute because especially it was Hero from... Uh... Heroes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. I couldn't tell whether some of these were actually like cameos or just people who were like put in these small roles that are capable of so much more. 
I felt that with Mazioka. I felt that with Karen Fukuhara. I felt that with Zazie Beats. I was like, these are incredible people. I've seen them do incredible things, and they're only in this movie for like five minutes, maybe if that. Um, and I and they didn't really count as cameos, but they just seemed wasted. Like they didn't really like, you know, to me, like why do you why do you hire Fukuhara for this role as a as a stewardess? When she just is a stewardess, like she doesn't do anything else. I'm like, was there supposed to be more with her character and they cut it or something? I think they just want to be in this movie. That's true. It's, that's what the point I was getting from it. Come on, yeah. Chan Tatum was awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, you want to make $200? Well, what do I have to do for $200? <laughs> I, I wonder if Channing Tatum um, and Sandra Bullock were filming that movie that, that that city or whatever that they were doing at Lost the same, city that they were doing at the same time and that's sort of how you got both oh, of them um, possibly and then you know the ultimate cameo on who the other assassin was was just yeah. was just awesome oh people in the audience were like clapping when they saw who the other assassin was yeah those two were obvious cameos like i got that like those are cameos they're not credited at the end uh, they're not in the end credits, um, which I must say I stayed for, and I usually stay for the end credits anyway, so uh, that's, that's not a knock, but this movie had the kind of energy that I would have expected something at the very end after the credits, and there was nothing. And I'm not saying that there had to be. It's not a Marvel movie, obviously, but it's got that kind of energy. I kind of felt like there would be something kind of funny at the end, um, but there was not. So, there was nothing, actually. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, the credits themselves were these animated things that kind of had these animations that kind of kept you at least visually interested to the whole time. Um, but in any case, um, something else, Ashley, that you want to point out about the movie, this can be good, good or bad. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with what was said earlier. Thinking more about the movie, I felt like the script could have used punching up just a little bit more. Like this is one of those movies that I really enjoy, but I feel like it was capable of achieving uh, going from good to great. And I feel like just maybe another pass from a different script writer just to tighten things up, make the banter sing just a little bit more, I think would, if, would have um, improved it just a tiny bit for me, but um, I did really have a good time. And it was interesting to hear about the, final box office tally i'd be curious about their decision to go for like a hard r action comedy versus if this had been more of like a pg-13 thriller like um lost city with sandra bullock and channing tatum if it would have done a little bit better so just in interesting creative decisions i would be interested to maybe watch a documentary on the making of this movie once it comes to streaming or something like that and and to see it again to see if i pick up more things maybe enjoy it just a little bit more the second time but yeah, so that's that's kind of some additional thoughts I had about the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, what's something from you? So the only, well, uh, the, uh, the thing that annoyed me about it, um, and again, every movie has suspension of disbelief. There's no way you're jumping on a bullet train and staying <laughs> on it and oh, breaking yeah. the glass. No, no. no that was you would be yes. gone. That's <laughs> yeah. the only part, but I'm like, okay. Because I, I like saw that, I'm like, normally I don't think about that stuff till afternoon. But I'm like, okay, all right, no, <laughs> all right, 
this is the moment it's going to go. This is where it's all going to go belly up. I, I just, and then I kind of forgot about it, right? Which is a mark of a good movie. They do something incredibly stupid like that, but you forget it, you know? And I understand why they did it, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I love the little subtle things that they did, like uh, when they put the snake in the toilet. It's a don't open snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just little stuff like that I thought was really cool. Um, I think there's parts of it, uh, this is kind of piggybacking off what I actually said. I think there's parts of the movie that had dialogue, but they could have just not had any dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that would have mm-hmm. been kind of interesting. Yeah. No, agree yeah. completely with that. You know, it, there was definitely times where you felt like just let the scene play through. You don't have to have stupid banter going on through it or something. And it was, it was interesting though, to see, and, you know, I loved, you know, poor Ladybug, you know, you know, wanting just to get through with a peaceful, no guns, no guns. And, you know, and it was, it was a ton of fun. There was some, you know, the whole part with him jumping on the bullet train and it taking off and, you know, him breaking the glass. And then I was just watching, oh yeah, he's kick-ass. He could do it. It's okay. <laughs> well, well, we are talking about the guy who's going to be playing Craven in the movie. So... Uh, you know, he is, it is possible for him to catch a speeding train and, and break some glass. Like, I mean, you would expect a guy like Craven to be able to handle that kind of stuff. Oh, of course, of course. But it was just, it was interesting. Uh, I, there was just, I expected an after credit scene also, Mike, truthfully. It was, you know, I waited and saw the stupid anime guy, you know, popping up. Oh, that's cute. Get on to the final. And there was nothing. But I think that was my only weak point with it overall you know i took three people with me who had never even heard of the movie and they walked out laughing their asses off which was that's a sign of a good movie see i feel now sort of shortchanged because you guys saw it in a theater with people and (laughs) there were two people there were only two people in the theater yeah i went i went to 10 30 in the morning (laughs) screening and uh there were two people there and you know, I'm like, okay, am I loving this? Is this the stuff everyone else is going to love? Or, you know, I, I was just, I was completely absorbed. And I was just kind of like, I can't vibe off of other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Is, is that because nobody's here? Or is that because, you know, the pandemic has all made us numb to doing that? So, Oh, yeah. I, I will say that the uh, gentleman about five seats to my left laughed a little bit more than i did so um so yeah he was having a good time as well but there was only i think three of us in the entire theater when i saw it this afternoon but it's a monday afternoon so uh you know and this isn't like i said this isn't doing well box office wise so i don't know i mean that's a whole other discussion ashley but i i think um you know there's a lot of factors there mm-hmm. i i wouldn't necessarily point to the fact that you know it's a quote-unquote bad movie at all because there's so much that with the with the box office and way things are now, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're a big Marvel tentpole, you know, big budget thing, people are like, oh, I can just wait, you know, two months and it's going to be on streaming. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I just keep saying that, but I feel like this is, again, this is going to be one that's going to take off via streaming. Uh, like people say like, hey, I just watched this really funny movie, Bullet Train on Netflix. You should go check it out. And then. Yeah, I, I think this is going to do really well streaming. Uh, and I, okay. I and I think it's to me it felt like a movie that was made for, for the international market that they just happened to show in America. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that could be too. I, I mean, it feels to me like like their money in this is going to come in Asia, right? That's where their bread and butter is going to be, right? Whereas I love the fact that, you know, I didn't recognize any of the locales and it was cool and it was like a, a non-America and not all American um, actors. Um, that might be a bit hard for folks. Um, I know one person I saw actually thought I was going to have subtitles. I'm like, no, it's an American movie. So somebody in the film marketing department is not doing their job. If there is a film marketing department, you know, um, cause who knows if they have those right now with all the cut cutbacks, but it's just, I don't think it was marketed well. Um, the one trailer I saw for it, if I didn't sign up for this, I may not have seen it because the trail, the one trailer I saw did not was, did not look anything at all like this film. Mm-mm. Um, and I'm glad somebody else thinks that cause I thought it was just me. Um, and you know, I just wish they think about that when they, when they do this. Yeah, well, I mean, the marketing job and the filmmaker's job are two completely different things. And sometimes it is cross purposes with the trailers that we get for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. And and I I do think that a lot of, especially Brad Pitt's like funnier moments in the movie, were all in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I saw this trailer before uh, a couple of different movies this summer. And like I said, they've been blasting it on TV all over the place uh uh if anybody does watch tv with ads in it uh anymore but um so they have been advertising it but maybe miss i don't know like i said i don't think there was anything in the advertising that suggests you really need to see this in the theater uh i mean it's not top gun with you know amazing air sequences that you need to see on a big screen this is this all takes place on a train um and you know despite that it didn't feel that claustrophobic to me i i will say positive another positive thing about it is i liked all the designs of the the cars the various cars and and the look this, of the film especially uh with the different color schemes that they used um i thought that provided a really nice element to it as well and sort of to piggyback off something mike said another thing i liked is i like i love the fact that brad pitt's character never never handles a gun I just thought that was very uh, unique, uh, you know, especially from this company that puts out like John Wick movies and <laughs> and all of that. Like you would expect that you know, this guy would just be like blazing away. And I thought that was I really thought that was going to be a thing at the end where he like would grab that gun that he put away. Um, uh, Angela, I think was it called or something like that. Right. Um, the guy's favorite gun. And, and then he would use that and just blast everybody away. But it, that didn't happen. And I was really glad for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was interesting. And, you know, him and his bad luck all the way through. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't really bad. Like, I mean, no. he had some amazingly good luck, really. When you oh, think he about had it. amazing luck. That was that was the funny part about it. I'm the most unlucky person in the world. It's like, dude, if you were, you wouldn't have made it out of the first scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, you wouldn't have made it past, like, the first guy that came on the train and tried to kill you. Mm. You know, uh, that whole not carrying a gun thing was also kind of a really cool nod to like some really cool westerns uh, and some samurai films, but also some really cool westerns. And in many ways, I also think this sort of had certain elements of that as well, kind of yeah. just the, with the shootouts and things. And I'm constantly amazed just how much stuff they threw into this thing and were complaining about the script because there's so many things that could have went wrong. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it's the cast that really saves it because even though it's directed by a, a, a stuntman, former stuntman, I think he's still a stuntman. And this whole, like, you know, the whole company, uh, 87 North does uh, specializes in these like stunt heavy movies to be honest with you, none of the fight sequences really did anything for me. I didn't um, think anything were particularly amazing. Nothing that really stood out to me. You, they were kind of just there. Do you think that that was on purpose? I mean, do you think they sort of sacrificed the, the over-the-top big-budget um, fight films to make the rest of the film sort of rounded and roughed out around the edges? I don't know, but I, but at least you would it would have had something for me to talk about at the end. Like, like it would have like given me more of a reason, especially to see it on the big screen, you know? Like, uh, I was I saw it on the big screen and I kind of felt like I didn't need to, um, you know, I like seeing movies on the on the big screen. But I and I, I'm glad I went. But like I said, I had a good time overall, but I could have just as easily watched this one at home, I think, and probably oh. had it just as good of a time. Oh, I'm looking forward to watching it at home a couple of times when it streams. See, but I, I, I wish, uh, you know, to Ashley's point, if somebody like uh, Edgar Wright or uh, Tarantino or somebody like that were directing, I mean, you can you can bet that those fight sequences uh, that I'm talking about, we would remember big time. Um, and uh, I think it just lacked that kind of like that bullet train to me is good, but it's not great. And I was really hoping that we were going to get something that was great, um, uh, something uh, more of the lines of uh, you know, like I consider Knives Out great, um, and uh, and this one I just came up a little short for me. I'm wondering but... if that is, you know, just a default of pandemic filmmaking and budgets mm-hmm. and things, or is it just the fact that the director was new, or is it just that somebody at the studio didn't want to bankroll it? I mean, I'm kind of curious to the backstory of like. How they made mm-hmm. this and and to your point and ashley's point too i am kind of curious maybe the i mean and this was made during the pandemic too so maybe it's a case of like they wanted to do more but they were limited in their uh scope as far as how many people they could have in a certain scene and sequence and how, how they could film and all that kind of stuff um i'm not familiar with the book that it's based on at all um but i do know that in the 70s there was a japanese movie called bullet train um does this have anything to do with that one? Does anybody know that? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm looking at the description of that movie now, actually. And that's plot is the train is threatened. Uh, the bullet train is threatened with a bomb that will explode automatically if it slows be- below 80 miles or 80 kilometers an hour unless a ransom is paid. Police uh, race oh, the bombers to learn how to defuse the bomb. Yeah, oh, that's, 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 that's what that's Speed was speed. based on. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, the, that's the movie Speed was based on, I think. Yeah, yeah but this is 1975. So uh, this is quite earlier. But uh, yeah, I am kind of curious to check that film out. I don't know if it, you know, how it, how it, but I don't, you know, to see, you know, you'd think, would there be any like callbacks? I don't know. Um, but like I said, this this one seemed to be more inspired by the movies that came out, uh, like you said, Rob, in the in the late nineties, two thousand, early two thousands, rather than the seventies or eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but uh, any last thoughts, final thoughts about this movie before we uh, we can rate it? Sure, uh, Ashley. Um, I think we've pretty much covered it. Yeah, it's it's a fun time. Um, at the movies didn't deliver quite as much as I was hoping it would, but I still 
had a good time, had my bucket of popcorn and was entertained. So I, I would encourage people to check it out once it hits streaming for sure. Let me ask you this. Cause I, you think you've seen the other movie featuring three of these people. Um, ha, would you see this or would you recommend this or lost city more? You know what? I think I laughed more in lost city. I feel like they just really let Channing Tatum cut loose and he was just really hilarious. And then Brad Pitt has an absolutely wonderful cameo in lost city. So I think entertain pure entertainment value. I think I enjoyed uh, the lost city just a little bit more. And, and I will say if Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt want to continue to make movies and do cameos in each other's movies. I'm all hundred percent for that. Like let's say, let, let, let yeah. do that. let's create a cinematic <laughs> universe and just keep this going. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, Rob, final thoughts. Um, you know, I just, I, I really liked it much more than I thought I was going to like it. And, um, considering just how much horrible stuff there is at the box office right now and how much stuff that I've seen this summer that's been disappointing, it's nice to go and be surprised and pleased with something I wasn't expecting. Um, and it makes me want to support more films like this because despite its flaws, it really was bold and daring and tried to do something completely different and we need more movies like this. Agreed. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yes. this is not like a, you know, although I, I you know, if they want to, you know, bring back uh, Ladybug in another movie, I, I would be okay with that. You know, uh, I think they're all starting to, fr- you know, we're all wanting to start a franchise. So I would not be surprised if we get... Uh, I don't know. Ladybug. Ladybug too. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they phrase that. But anyway, um, Mike, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Probably you guys are going to go, wow. But truthfully, I walked out of this theater feeling the most satisfied out of any movie I've seen this summer. And I actually enjoyed it. And I will put it up against Doctor Strange. I will put it up against Thor, any of the Marvel movies. And mm-hmm. any of the other ones, even better than I enjoyed it more than I like Top Gun. Top Gun, I went meh when I walked out of the theater. So this one, I'm going to say probably it's going to top my movie list for the summer. Wow. He said it's better than the biggest movie of the summer possibly year. Yeah, I, it was. I could agree with it because I didn't see it. But yeah. And, and you know, and you know. Uh, Top Gun 2 is on pace currently. I mean, probably just a couple weeks away from surpassing uh, the, the Avengers Infinity War on the top of all time. Oof. Good wow. for them, but I still didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would I just re- think that's amazing. I, I don't think re- anybody would have, would have. No. I mean, nobody thought that except Tom Cruise. So we all bow to his knowledge. I would rather have my nose hair pulled out with a red hot poker than watch Top Gun again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Well, you know, that could be arranged. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to be the Debbie Downer, and, and I don't hate this movie. So I, I'm encouraging people to go see it. Um, I liked it. I, I will probably see it again at some point if it's on TV. Or, you know, I might just watch it again just for fun because it is a fun movie. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more something to make it great, but it, it just wasn't there in this that I found anyway. 
But I do think everybody involved acting wise did a very solid job. And I look forward to seeing them all again, because some of these people I'd only seen, I'd been introduced to Joey King. I really wasn't familiar with uh, as well as many others too. So um, yeah. So if there's another one, I, I will go. I will be interested to see if uh, Brad Pitt is Ladybug again. I will be, I will be in, I will be there. So that's all for Bullet Train. So we're going to get off the tracks here. And uh, I think, Mike, are we going to review Umbrella Academy next after this? Yep. Let's take a quick break and we will be back. And we are going to be reviewing Umbrella Academy Season 3. Hey, everybody. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Music is the unseen character in all of John Hughes films. And on November 11th, we have a new uh, box set coming out. uh, That's a compilation of tracks selected from all of John Hughes films between 1983 and 89. It's called life moves pretty fast. The John Hughes mixtapes. And of course, everybody in the eighties, we loved our mixtapes, but it's also how um, John Hughes and his music supervisor, Tarquin Gotch, uh, would work up their soundtracks and what what song would go with what scene. They would FedEx each other mixtapes on cassette. And a photo of a stack of those tapes uh, is the cover art for this box set. Um, it has 74 tracks. This is not complete soundtracks. This is a compilation of of selections from those soundtracks. So 74 tracks over four CDs, or 73 tracks on six red vinyl albums. There's also a double album uh, summary set. Um, There's a booklet that goes with it. The Super Deluxe Edition has a larger box, a 14-track cassette, and a 7-inch single of Beat City. Um, There are... I I would check Amazon and read over the track selections just to see if there's a song you had your heart set on. Uh, because again, this is not uh, complete soundtracks. This is a selection of songs and some are left out. But if you're a, a fan of John Hughes films and of eighties music, uh, this looks like it will be a lot of fun. So look out for that on November 11th. Uh, this has been the iconic rock talk show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, And we'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone, this is Carrie from the Metal Geeks podcast. Thanks for geeking out with us for the past 10 years. Yes, I said that 10 years that we've been doing this, talking about video games and metal and TV and movies and comic books and scene parks and all that other cool stuff. Check us out on our website at metalgeeks.net and on all the socials at Metal Geeks. We are proud members of the ESO Network. Keep it geeky and keep it metal. This isn't your home. What are you talking about? This is the Umbrella Academy. This is the Sparrow Academy. When we jumped here, we created a time paradox. Our little paradox brought forth a freaking Kugelblitz. What the hell is a Kugelblitz? Essentially, we're screwed. See Ben, right? Yeah, and he's a complete dickhead. They're all dickheads. Dickheads who can fight. 
next person to say dickhead is getting a punch to the throat. Dickhead. 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 We caused a paradox, and that paradox is swallowing things. How long do we have? Four, maybe five days before the rest of existence is blitzed. Not to mention, we've been replaced by a bunch of blobs and cubes and birds. Shit. Your team's good, but I don't think you're better than me. I ended the world twice. And you, you're just meat and spandex. Dad didn't adopt us as babies, but those babies still existed here. So, if you ever see your other self... Kill them. Sleep with them. Avoid them. What the hell is wrong with you? Oh, come on, as if you wouldn't climb Luther Mountain. Kill you. Do we get our bend back? What the hell did you just say? What are you, their mascot? More like their ringer. It's a ballroom Been looking for you. Spoiler alert. Welcome back to Earth Station One, and now we are going to return to the world of the Hargrove children and get to see Umbrella Academy Season 3. And we are introduced to the Sparrows. Take it away, Mikey. Yes, our bullet train has stopped, and uh, we are now uh, at Hotel Obsidian. So it's all time to talk about Season 3 of Umbrella Academy. Um, Rob has left us. Ashley is still here, and we've also got with us, um, after a too long of an absence, Nathan is here from the 42 cast. Hey, guys. This sushi buffet is great. Just don't ring that damn bell again. <laughs> Three, <laughs> Three fingers gone. Three fingers gone. Okay, there's going to be a lot to unpack here, uh, like everything else. Um you know, it's 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 funny. I was watching an episode. I can't even remember which what episode it was or what particularly was happening uh, this season. And Michelle, who doesn't watch the show, uh, came walking in and she stopped and watched the screen for about five minutes. And she's like, wow, this show is really weird. Or this, yeah, what's going on here is really weird. And I thought about it for a second. I said, you know, as long as this show's been on, I don't think there's any time in five minutes, like you could have spent five minutes with, any of these this this season the last season this whole tire show where you wouldn't have said that because uh, that's the beauty of umbrella academy it's just one of the weirdest shows out there um and season three is definitely no exception um nathan since you're joining us for this uh what is your uh, overall opinion of the series did you read the comic and um what did you think overall in general of season three so I have never read an Umbrella Academy comic before, but a friend of mine has told me about it. And the, it was years before the series actually came on Netflix. And I wasn't even aware at first that it was on Netflix. I think last year is when I finally became aware that the, I was like, wait a minute, that's what my friend Sean told me about. And so I was like, so it kind of ended up on my short list, but you know, there's so much content to watch. And so my wife and I just by happenstance started watching it uh, a few months back. 
And then I was like, okay, when is season three going to come out? And I was like, oh, we only have to wait like two months and then season three is going to come out. So this is actually really convenient. So we went into that when it uh, when it first came in. And what I say about the Umbrella Academy is that it scratches the same itch that like Doom Patrol does for me. The sort of dysfunctional superhero family thing, but in a way that I enjoy so much more. Uh, I, I, I like the aesthetic of this show a lot and it's just this sort of weird offbeat yet strangely touching show um i don't i don't know how to how to really describe it all that well um i have to say i like the first two seasons um a lot but uh the third season i still liked but it seemed like and and, and i don't know if this is because of pandemic issues when they were recording it or whatever but it just seemed like something was off about the season i can't point to anything that i can say this is the problem with this Mm -hmm. season but i had but i just didn't feel as engaged with season three as i did the other two seasons yeah hopefully we can help uh uh, figure that out a little bit more too because so we're gonna go we're gonna try to do as deep a dive as we can of course spoiler filled so um ashley what about you what um what were your thoughts going into this season as well Yeah, well, Nathan, I feel like you're a tough act to follow. You said all that so well, and I feel like I'm very much in line with uh, where you land on the series. I watched the first season um, for the first time over about two days. I was homesick from work, and I was absolutely captivated. It felt like something I had never seen anything quite like this before, and just all the dysfunctional characters, they were funny but there was also some like genuine emotion in seeing them bond despite their dysfunction. There was mystery, not quite sure where the story was going to go. So it kept you engaged wanting the next season with like the cliffhangers and just kept you coming back for more. And this is one of my favorite shows for sure, just because it feels so creative and unique. I also really enjoyed the third season, but I felt like, again, It was just not quite as good as the first two. It felt like, yeah, some of that, maybe just the newness had worn off a little bit. I mean, how many times can you prevent the apocalypse before you kind of think, eh, we've we've been there, done that. But still, I felt like it wasn't towards the end where I was like every night, like, okay, after I get my daughter to bed and clean up the house, I've got to go downstairs and watch another episode to see what's going to happen next. And it probably took me towards probably the later third till I got to that point, but still, still a great show. And I love that they're that Netflix is willing to put a big budget behind something this inventive. And like you said, just plain weird, like, I'm careful who I recommend this show to because like, it is really weird. Like if you're willing to just like open your mind and experience this wild sci-fi story with crazy characters, it's like guardians of the galaxy, but even weirder than um, if you can go along with that, you're in for a good ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? What did you uh, feel about uh, season three going in? Like what Nathan, you know, this is going to be hard to pass, you know, what he said, because he hit it pretty much. Nathan arrives and sets the bar. Oh, exactly. Now, <laughs> now, now, we, now we just have to play Limbo, so it's okay. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to talk about this one. Season three was good. I don't want to say it was excellent by any means, 
it was fun seeing my favorite dysfunctional family without the name Faber in a TV show. So it was pretty awesome to see. But it was they are so comfortable playing these roles. And it was a lot of things were handled um, very, very well. Trans, uh, you with uh, Vanya transitioning to Victor was handled extremely well and very tasteful, and I really appreciated that a lot. And it was just neat to see these characters grow up in a lot of ways, and I was appreciative of that. And I can't wait to talk about it because there is a lot to cover, and you know what. Let's let it rip. Yeah. Um, real quick, I'll just say, uh, much like the rest of you, um, I, you know, watched the series and I fell in love with the characters. I have only read the first trade of the Umbrella Academy. And to be honest with you, I found the show much more compelling. So um, I, I have not watched or not read uh, any further. So I have no idea. Um, and I didn't last season either. I have no idea what is taken from the comics and what is original material for the series. Um, but, uh, I like these characters a lot and the way that the last season ended with them arriving. And uh, I think we knew right away, like there was another, there was a Sparrow Academy right there in their face. Right. And I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. This is going to be interesting. Um, and, uh, I got to say, I'm not sure if it was as fun as I would have liked it to have been. Um, I'm really glad in this day and age that TV series don't have to go 26, 20, whatever it is, episodes, right? They can, they, they took the BBC model, you know, thanks to streaming, they can do six, they can do eight, they can do 10, they can do whatever it is to tell the story. Um, but I kind of felt like this could have been, like there was some padding here and it could have done, they could have done a little bit more, like it could have been six or eight episodes. Um, I thought there was a little bit of wheel spinning going on. Um, some of the characters didn't feel like the characters that I knew from the previous seasons. And uh, I wish they'd given us a chance to get to know the sparrows before they started killing them off. I mean, they, they're like by the half the season, like by that midway point, like half of them are dead already. And I'm like, well, I didn't even get a chance to know them. Um, So, no, um, but um, so, yeah, uh, I just felt overall that there was like some things that were uh, that didn't work for me as well, but I did like it overall. Um, it was just as weird and wacky as it always is. There were some really, really great moments, character moments from these folks, some really great performances and set pieces as well. And I'm really curious, you know, they, I don't think they've signed on for season four yet. So we don't know if we're going to get more, but uh, it does really well for Netflix. I mean, everybody talks about how well like um, Stranger Things does, but this was a big hit over the summer for Netflix as well. So I would not be surprised if Netflix doesn't at least let them do another season. And I think they have said if they do get to do another one, that's going to be it. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, now we can talk a little bit further about some more detail stuff. Um, Nathan, there was something you wanted to say. So let's uh, let's go there first. Well, I, I will point out one thing, though. If you actually read the quote, though, they didn't specifically say it will be it. They just said, we're going to have to start, like, <laughs> bringing things to a conclusion. But he said, start to bring things to a conclusion. So he left the door open if Netflix is like, well, 
we're willing to pay you, you know, a ton of money that maybe they I can see, stretch that out. But, but yeah, I but see. yeah, the indications are they would start wrapping things up. It would probably be the final season. But, um, the thing that I was going to say was, I think you hit the nail on the head there that I felt, you know, cause I went straight from season one to season two and it just went straight through with season three. I kind of expected, I wanted alternate timeline shenanigans and we got so little of that. It went straight into, we are in the middle of the, you know, in the past we were always preventing an apocalypse and here we're in the middle of an apocalypse. So we didn't get to do the Sparrow Academy versus Umbrella Academy, like the fun stuff. Every time that happened, it was great. You know, when we got to yes. see them playing off of each other and then we like get rid of the sparrows, we start like number one dies like right away. Yep. And then, you know, they, they start going pretty quickly when to where only Sloan and Ben are left. And it's like, oh, wow, like, we didn't get any of the fun stuff that I wanted. It's just apocalypse. And some of yeah. that was funny and fun, too, but not as much. And so I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, what can you do? It's just a big ball of, like, red that just is going to eat everything. It's like, it's like okay, we, there's not a real big bad guy to hate. There's not a lot of, like, scene, like, that. the special effect isn't going to choose scenery and everything. It's just going to be there. And um, it's just kind of there. It's like, it's like, here's a wall. And now we're, this is what we're up against. Um, let's make, let's try to make the wall as interesting as we can. Um, and let's see how these characters do banging their heads against it. Um, and they're, these characters and these actors in particular are awesome at banging their heads against this wall, any wall. Right. Um, uh, but uh, Mike, I, I also want to point out something that you said too, and it's not a big, I don't want to make a big deal out of it because they didn't, but obviously it got a lot of press because of Elliot page and his decision. Um, but I thought the, the Vanya and for a, for a show that like is everything is so weird. They made that transition so normal that I have to give them a lot of credit for that because the, as weird as things could get, they didn't make that weird. And I appreciate that a lot because other shows could have made like, and now a special episode of the Umbrella Academy, you know, and they, they didn't do that. And I thought that was really well done. Uh, and Elliot Page, you know, no matter what you want to call him, whatever decision, still acts is still like what the center of this show, I think in a lot of ways. Do you do you feel that uh, Victor is still like the heart of it, or is someone else like oh, okay, Mike? No, um, I liked her his character this year. Um, I liked the evolution and how they wrapped up some loose ends with him, and it was I liked it. But do I think he's the heart of the series? No, it was more Klaus. Mm -hmm. It was more number five. Number five. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Number five is a lie. I, th I, think I think over the three seasons, five has become, you know, the main focus of the series. And I think, and that's a positive. The actor they have playing number five is awesome. He feels mm -hmm. like he's a 60-year-old guy who's ready to retire and you know and i love it and i think you know vanya victor is a great character and i like how she tied up he tied up you know everything from last season with this especially with her powers his powers well 
I think it's established, uh, you know, um, in some ways, uh, Victor is, is responsible for everything that's going on. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, he is the one that gave, uh, Harlan, they, thank you, Harlan, Harlan his powers, yeah. uh, Callum Keith Renee. And when did he get so old? Um, anyway, uh, Harlan is, uh, you know, gave him his powers, uh, which he couldn't control. He ended up accidentally uh, killing all the mothers of the uh, uh, of the Umbrella Academy, and uh, except for Ben's, except for Ben's, right? Right. Which is interesting um, because I also got the sense that he like there were because I think there's sixty some right that originally gave birth or whatever, and Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Anyway, I believe they said it was nineteen in the new timeline. Yeah. Okay, nineteen. Gotcha. So. So um, theoretically, there's others out there, I guess. I don't know. But um, anyway, there's no duplicates of the Umbrella Academy because of Harlan's actions. And that what causes a paradox, which gives us our big red ball. Except and... the one that conveniently was the Umbrella Academy person who died. So we can still have him. He was duplicated. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that was one of the things I was going to say is a positive of this show. You know, other shows that try to do the, we're going to recast people, you know, let them, uh, let us keep the actors, but having them play another role, <clears throat> Picard, <clears throat> uh, don't do this nearly as well. Um, but uh, with this, um, this series it's great how they keep bringing back the same actors to play either variants of themselves or somehow they're a different character. like when they brought the mom in in season two shouldn't she was like the original woman that he had based the android of the you know a woman on and now the mom is back as a variant of the android but you know you get what i'm saying like they they're right. they're doing like this great job you know so ben ends up sacrificing his his existence, you know, that he had, uh, you know, as being someone that Klaus could interact with in season two, but now we can bring this alternate Ben in. And <laughs> it's just like, that's one of those things that I think that they've done such a great job juggling and making it feel as if it's earned and not just, well, we want to keep using this actor. So we've shoved them into this role so that they can be, still I agree. be here. I agree. Cause there's several actors uh, and characters that I'd love to see back. But we're just, you know, we're not going to, we're, I don't think, we'll, you know, maybe season four, what, are we ever going to see Mary J. Blige again? I don't know, but I would love to, because I, I, I thought she was really strong in the previous seasons. And I feel like a character like that has not been replaced as far as yeah. somebody who brings something else to the table from another point of view. I mean, we're in this season. Another thing, we're stuck within family drama with this. We don't yeah. get to go outside of it that often. Well, there's um, not much more Earth. There's no Earth. Yeah, you're pretty stuck with it, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last few, last two episodes, I think it's just the hotel that's still around. So yeah, mm. there's no place else to go. Um, uh, Ashley, what's something else from the show that uh, you really appreciated this season? Yeah, well, we kind of talked this about this a little bit, but I appreciated seeing the story arc between. Um, Victor and Harlan, just the drama involved with that Victor thought that he was saving Harlan, but then like these powers turn out to be a terrible thing. And, you know, Harlan really hasn't had that great of a life. So just the ability, just kind of the guilt that's there and then trying to fix it. And then, um, Allison going to a really dark place, like Allison went to some, very very dark places this season and then killing harlan so then you don't get to have that um moment of redemption so i thought all that was involved with the character development between uh 
Victor and Harlan was nicely well done and a lot of depth. And I always just love seeing Klaus and Five. They are my favorite characters, just anything they do. And also watching Klaus kind of go on his own journey in self-actualization, you know, even though his father was playing him, using him. I still think that Klaus was able to grow as a person and kind of explore his powers, face that fear. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen with his character next. And yeah, just this, the moments between characters continue to be what really make this show work. And I thought that Hotel Obsidian was an interesting concept. I was curious to see what it is because again, nothing in the show is just coincidence or just thrown in. I knew it would have some significance. So that was really interesting to see um, what the dad's ultimate in game is curious about that as well. So yeah, I think there's a lot of good threads to follow up on and plenty more still to do with these characters. Oh, yeah. I, I do yeah. want to say really quick, though, um, the thing with Allison is the other thing I can point to as far as like the thing, like a thing that just like I would did not appreciate it. Like I, I get what I mean, I get how somebody could go there from the experiences she's had and it has been really awful and everything. But at the same time, it was one of those things that sort of sucked the joy of the show out yeah. from me yeah. to have Allison become, you know, so I mean, basically a villain. Yeah. <laughs> for a long part of yeah. it. And we have the slight redemption at the end where, you know, she pulls the dad away from the, the, the thing. But she she's she considered for a long time, like, hey, should I oh, let yeah. them just like suck them dry? Like, you know, you know. And I really hope that they do more follow-up on that because it seems like, oh look, she's got a happy ending. She's got her daughter and her husband back. But when you think about like what happened in order for her to get to that moment, I hope that there's still a lot that they're gonna keep digging into deeper with that character the consequences of kind of how all this has played out well we've said it before on the show a lot of times the best villains think they're the hero of the Mm -hmm. story because they think they're doing the right thing and yeah she had a lot of bad luck the first two seasons some of it she brought on herself though in the first season she was thrown out of her house because she used her powers on her daughter And the husband didn't want that. And, you know, of course, you know, she had her throat slit by Vanya. And then, you know, they got thrown back into the 1960s. And she had to go through the whole civil rights thing. Mm -hmm. And she fell in love with her husband. And that was taken away from her. So she's been through some crap. I don't completely throw that out the window. But she, to me, I think she and Ben were the two real villains of the season in a lot of ways. And I think the one above it, of course, was the dad, was Reginald. And, well, always. Yeah, yeah always. He's, he's always the villain. <laughs> and it's The clue was that he watched William Shatner as T.J. T. Hooker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, touche, touche. But it, it was interesting. And you also realize this season, you never go play ball with Reginald. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that scene, though. That was one of the fun, 
Umbrella Academy scenes like they would have had in a previous season where it's just like, well, actually, it doesn't really hurt him. Like, in the end, it doesn't really hurt him. It it looks brutal. It must feel awful, but it's kind of funny. And then Klaus just leans into it. He's having fun. I played catch with dad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what did you do? Oh, I was playing catch with dad. You were playing with dad? (laughs) You know, it was just like, and it it was awesome. And because I have read the comics and he is one of the most in the comics. He's one of the most powerful characters because he could bring back anyone from the dead to help him out for, in battles and fights and such, or to find clues and stuff. And they kind of hinted at it when he brought Luther back at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting that, you know, they fulfilled Klaus's, powers and everything at the very end yeah i can't believe it i was like wow it took him three seasons to like give him like powers like like to to understand his powers i'm like that's pretty bold Mm -hmm. to have a character that you're like well we're gonna wait and really discover his powers later on like much later like season three later and i'm like wow that's and it's interesting i mean he's a great character and he's fun but it's like what is it what can he do no we all exactly you always wonder that and it's just like what is class's powers other than getting stoned and high and you know <laughs> talking to dead people, right? I mean, we usually could talk to Ben, right? But mm-hmm. well, exactly. You know, the whole thing when he had Ben last season, when he was trying to be a guru, and you know, and it was there were some great scenes, but I will give it for this. I loved and I really enjoyed the whole love story with you know Luther. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so cute to see the big lug finally falling in love. Right. I know. But I kept thinking like the whole time, like, but this is a problem because if they restore the timeline, then she won't be there. And, you know, she won't know who he is. And I was like, how are they going to resolve this? And of course, like all of the season endings, they don't resolve. Like, that's the thing. That's one of them. We just get into a new crazy scenario and don't resolve the previous stuff from the previous ones. No, and I thought it was awesome because I thought Sloane was great. I liked her character. I liked a lot of the, you know, Sparrows, though. I thought it was Mm -hmm. pretty cool. The um, one... That had the control of the ravens, and that's how she was able to see because she didn't oh, have so eyes. That was awesome. It's a very cool power. Yeah. Visually, she looked really cool. Like uh, she really held it together. The actress and uh, the CG on it was just—I mean, it was great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, then, but then, but then it's like I was like, she's really great. And then she goes her. and she dies, and I'm like, uh, then why? Like I feel like why are we wasting? Like they don't end up doing anything really. It just they're there and then they die. And I don't know. It just looked you know that uh, we lost a sparrow like every other episode. Just yeah. like like a main character of the Umbrella Academy got a haircut every episode. It was like <laughs> this is really strange. Um, by the way, I will never be able I to don't... look at Footloose the same way ever again. <laughs> it, I, I don't know if I'm just daft and I didn't notice that this happened in the umbrella academy world or whatever or that this is just new this season but why was everybody driving on the wrong side of the car i noticed that too i thought is that just a reality (laughs) shift i think it was in (laughs) that that, i think it was in that reality was that just a subtle but nobody commented on it nobody said like oh that's weird the driver's side is on this side like nobody ever said anything they just got in the cars and drove and i'm like and it just kept happening and i was like Mm -hmm. why are 
card like that was just really strange. I, I had forgotten Cardi- it until you mentioned subtle. it, but my wife and I talked about it while we were watching it. We were like, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> that's, that's that's one of those things that's kind of a nice Easter egg, I guess. It's kind of nice that it's there to show that things are a little bit different, maybe, but uh you know how you could change the timeline in very strange ways. By the way, if anybody really like wants to like process time travel and how it applies theoretically or whatever in this show don't bother because it's crazy and i don't think it makes any sense whatsoever but that's the point it's just i think they i think the writers just went you know what nobody knows so who cares let's just do whatever we want um and have just weird things happen and they do um i did find it interesting that outside of victor and allison Nobody else seems to want to go back and restore the timeline. Obviously, Luther doesn't because, you know, right. uh, he's getting someone's loan. But um, but like that doesn't seem to be a major even discussion um, with them. And, you know, obviously, the bigger problem is, is that, uh, you know, that, that uh, time is ending. The apocalypse is here. And I guess it's not even it's a moot point, too, because since both briefcases are broken, there's no way they could go back in time to fix it. Well, so... my, my issue, though, was after they made a big okay. deal about how they had only the money that was in, like, their pockets at the very beginning, you know, to get the rooms <laughs> at the hotel. They suddenly right. have money to buy whatever they want. And I'm like, wait a minute. How are they making money? How are they getting cars? How are they getting vehicles and ways of traveling? Like, they don't have ID that's valid or anything. It's just like, how well, is they, they kept this? They kept sneaking into the mansion. So I'm thinking they stole stuff and just, like, you know, brought it to the guy um, who unfortunately lost his dog in the beginning. Like, that, those the are, like, the other animals guy who survived first. the apocalypse until, yeah, like, the whole yeah. I'm like, what's his yeah. role? Like, wait a minute. Like, there's still someone serving tea here. Like something else is going on. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, something else, Mike, that uh, that you uh, enjoyed about the season? Oh, God, there's so much I enjoyed. I loved going seeing Klaus visit the Amish. It was awesome. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be peaceful. No. <laughs> See, you have, that's ruined, the thing, though. My, you have I, ruined my point of view or my opinion of the Amish forever. Ever. I wanted him to actually meet his, like, that's the thing. I wanted to see him meet his mother. Like, I would have liked to see Klaus meet his actual mother. I I, I wanted that scene. I mean, yeah, he kind of did, but, like, not really. Um, well, I, I think she that was really her. I mean, but not, like, the context was wrong. I wanted to have him meet her as an Amish woman living in the Amish community. And I would love to have them all meet their moms and just have, like, the experience of, you know, what do they think of them, you know, as they are. But because of the way that it was set up, like, you know, they didn't get to do that. So, uh, but, yeah, that I would have I would have really loved that. But, yeah, as it was, the scene was fun. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. There was a lot of good scenes in it. I loved, um, the, I loved actually, the character of Stan. The kid was awesome, you know, and, you know, you know, they thought, you know, you got to see Diego actually become a parent kind of sort of <laughs> not yeah, a very first, good parent yeah but i was calling shenanigans because i was like she does not look like 13 years older to have had a kid and raised <laughs> oh. him all this time so i'm glad that they explained that as oh no she's just lying because i was like there's no way that she's that much older than she was before Yep, exactly. Diego always has seemed to me in previous seasons to be fun, but just kind of one note, uh, really. And I think having uh, Lila and even uh, Stan there, like, kind of helped that character a lot. Um, 
uh, Lila brought a lot to that, the scenes that he was in and his, his arc throughout this, I think. Because uh, I don't think I've really, really even cared about him in previous seasons, to be honest with you. I just thought he was kind of there and okay, but not anything that I was like, you know, I wouldn't put him as like the one of my top favorite members of the family, right? No, I wouldn't put him in the top seven, so it's okay. <laughs> oh. uh, see, I, I like Diego. I liked him just fine. But yeah, no, I, I like this. And I liked his rivalry with the Sparrows while it lasted because I thought that mm-hmm. that was fun. And like him trying to protect Stan when they run into them when they're in the store and all of that and their interaction. And so I, I, I like that. I was a little disappointed to learn Stan wasn't actually his kid because yeah, he had Stan had some moves. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. No, I thought like that would have been like really nice. Then you find out that Lila just kidnapped some kid. I mean, it's true, his mother was not the best mother, you know, in the world, and just leave him, you know. And so, but yeah, it was just kind of like that was another thing that just kind of felt like, oh, well, like I don't like this as much now. I like the original thing you were presenting me with better. <laughs> Ashley, something else about this season. Yeah, um, I think that we have an intriguing setup to go forward with this show. The idea of the characters losing all their powers and just having to work on themselves without all that distraction, I think will be really fascinating. And I just, yeah, I really like seeing the moments between these characters. One of my favorite episodes was um, the wedding at the end of the world, just because things kind of slowed down and you got to have a lot of those character interaction moments and there wasn't as much action and, you know, trying to prevent the end of the world. They just kind of accepted what was happening. It was nice to kind of see them get to bond and work through some of those past things. Cause they've been through a lot together. And even though they are incredibly dysfunctional, like this is their family, this is basically all they've had. So to kind of see them come together as a family was um a cool detail i'm still wondering what the heck was going on in that tunnel into like the white buffalo room and the guards that were possessed by cockroaches i kind of just accepted like maybe this is part of just the weirdness of the show and we're never going to get answers but that was intriguing to me and i was really curious to find out more about that and i feel like it's still kind of a mystery but Oh, well, so there's even if you don't understand what's going on, there's never a dull moment in the show. Yeah, I kind of got the feeling that that was just like, you know, stuff to do, you know, just like, you know, to get it done. And, it, it, you know, whatever, it could have been anything. Um, But, yeah, it it didn't make a lot of sense. But it was, you know, it was all going to a place, a certain place that we didn't know where they were going to plot wise to get to the next well, to get to the end of the show and or the end of the series season anyway, and hopefully not the end of the show, because, yes, there are a lot of things that I'd like to see wrapped up as well. And we'll talk about the future of it just in a little bit. But um, I uh, I wanted to uh, also point out something. Yes. What you said about that episode, because, you know, they are so dysfunctional and they there's a lot of reasons why you feel like, why are they still together? Why are they, yeah. what holds them together? And then you see a scene like the bachelor party and you're like, that's the, it's, it's moments like this that hold these guys together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and of course nice. their hatred for their father. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> two, two good bonding things. And, 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 it was, and it was really nice seeing Ben because Ben came off, this version of Ben came off as being, 
such an awful person, but you start realizing that once he doesn't have the other sparrows around, that really Ben is just posturing a lot, you know, because he wants the attention, he wants to be number one because he wants the approval and the accolades. And then when people were ignoring him, you know, how, you know, sort of hurt he was and everything. So I thought it was good character building there to show that maybe this version of Ben can be turned around, you know, and, and, you know, can become part of this family, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how they address that going forward. I did want to say my thoughts, at least from the the whole cockroach thing was, because we still don't know anything about the home planet that the father comes from. We know he's True. an alien. I'm wondering True. if he's just a cockroach controlling a meat suit or something, and that these are <laughs> guardians to keep, because whatever reality warping powers this space has, I wonder if those were supposed to be guardians to keep mm. people from manipulating it. And the, those are his people, like, trying to keep him from doing whatever it is he's trying to Earth do. Earth so was that's his my... prison. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, so we'll see, you know, if they if that's yeah. the way they go. But that was the theory I came up with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the comic series lays any sort of uh, thoughts about that. But uh, certainly, mm. um, you know, the future <laughs> of it. Uh, but like I said, I want to I wanna get to that. But I, I also have to... Uh, point out that uh you know the the umbrella academy is not a it is not great to me unless we get an appearance from pogo and uh i love pogo um he's in only one episode here um but it's just awesome to see him uh i wish they do more with the character and hopefully going forward they will um because i just think i think there's so much potential there other than just an uh, an ex an exhibition dump, like an exposition dump, like that's all he seems to do, like in this one in particular, and uh, you know I wish they I, I'd like to see more done with him, but I I, I love the idea of him, and it, it's portrayed so well both by the actor Adam Godley and and the CG that they use for him as well. I just think it's a special thing in the show. I fully almost expected when. Um, Hargraves was talking to somebody and five was looking in the door uh, that, yeah. it was, that it was going to be Pogo. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought that would have been kind of ironic or something like that. Inst- yeah, I instead they had was... the mustache twisting Allison, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Alice. You know, my, my original thought was like, Oh, that's Allison. Cause she was the only one that wasn't at the party or whatever. And I was like, okay, it's Allison. She's doing this. And I'm like, and then I was kind of disappointed that it ended up being her. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, she's the obvious choice. I'm like, why? Oh, they don't usually go that route. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a little weird. Plus, you know, they're trying to convince them to like go with dad and save the world and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, all Allison has to do is like, you will come with us. And then they would come with them. Like, I'm like, why isn't she not using her powers? Like, it seemed like her powers were so underutilized in this season mm. with everything else that she was going through. Um, and I do, you know, get the sense that yes, she was a villain in a lot of ways of the, of the story, but they didn't want, I noticed they held back. They didn't show her killing Harlan. They didn't show what Harlan looked like the aftermath or anything like that. So I think the producers didn't want us to really hate her. I assumed, uh, I assumed he was already dead when he was in the trunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so what you, I she killed too. him. In, yeah, yeah. So but you, I mean, yeah. whatever you look like, it must. It couldn't have been pretty. Oh no. I I, uh, I want to say the thing that I like had a hard time with was okay. 
I get that five doesn't want to mess with time, but when the universe is already ending, you might as well just use your, like, try to jump using your powers, you know, you know, because you don't have a briefcase to do a more controlled jump because you can't make anything worth. But he kept saying, no, no, I can't do that. And it's just like, really? Why not? <laughs> so crazy. Right. Like, you can't make it worse. <laughs> and and Lila can do that too, right? If she's imitating, yeah, like when she's syncing with him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. But she gotcha. has to be in proximity to the person who's. That's right. She's That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, her their little side quest was fun. I think they have some great chemistry mm-hmm. as well. Uh, not that Diego has to worry about anything, but um, uh, I, I did like their little side quest and and five finding like his older self, which alone should have told him that the world wasn't going to end. Right. Like right. that alone should have said that no matter what happens, this is not going to be the end. Cause I've just, I've just been with myself and watched my old self die. Yeah. I think that's going to end up being, however they do wrap up things. It's going to have something to do with him being the founder of the bureau or whatever it's called. I, it's not right. the TVA. I know that. Um, but... <laughs> or is it? Or is it? Wibbly wobbly timey whiny. No, no. So, no, 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 uh, but, but yeah, I think that's Netflix how and Disney do not get along. I mean, you think Disney and Warner yet. Brothers don't get along? Yeah. <laughs> Disney and Netflix don't get along. Well, that's, more that's so, until so Disney buys Netflix. And, you know, yeah, just they're more... just like, oh, forget this feud. We're just going to buy they, they it. Are, they, they already tried that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, didn't, that didn't go well. And so I think they've held it against Netflix ever since. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, all right. So let's get into it because we we're already like we want it. We want more. Right. We want mm-hmm. more. We want at least one more season. Uh, this episode or this season, I should say, ends with, um, uh, you know, this world that, uh, you know, even though uh, the father is dead, uh, I think with Allison hitting the button everything that he wanted to put in place as far as the new world or his world is did happen. I don't think uh, anybody else had any say except, you know, he, he wrote that for Allison so that she would go with him. That was the deal. Like you go with me and you can get your, 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 you know, the husband of choice back as well as your kid. Like, um, and I can, I can do that for you. But everything else in this world is mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right? Well, we saw so, like everything had a Hargraves like name yeah. on it, like like hotels yep. and businesses and everything. So it's like he controls a lot. And he's at and he's like, you know, situated at uh Har uh Hargraves Har- HQ. Is that what we're gonna call it? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so he's he's on top of the tower. He's the guy. Did did we know the woman? Yeah, that's his wife. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's I, the woman they showed on the moon, like when, like, that's um, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Because yeah. Luther couldn't get to the other side of the force field. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, you know, I must admit that that's kind of stuff I watched. I saw and I was like, oh, I need to follow up and find out what's going on there. And I never, I never did follow up because so I didn't really know what was going on there. But uh, thanks for that. Um, so he's in control, and the you know he's written the academy is there, but they're powerless um at least you know they don't have any genetic powers um so what do we want to see from the next season let's say we're getting let netflix says yes you can have another season um maybe they'll just give them eight episodes instead of ten i don't know but anyway (laughs) in any case uh what do you want to see what what do you think will happen or what do you want to see nathan 
Uh, I think we have to have some kind of a resolution with Alice, and we've had it with Victor. Um, I think that we have to address, like, her behavior and everything. And I don't know. In some way, they have to come to I, – I, I think because this is all, like, a manufactured, like, world and everything that she's going to have to accept that thing. She can't keep, like, her – fake life because in some way the story's gonna break down because she met this man in the 60s right and but yet she's still he's still there with her in the 2020s you know and so like some you know like so they've you know obviously a lot of stuff's had to have changed and so is it even like the same guy that she knew how similar is he like you know what kind of story is there uh, i will point out we don't know if allison still has her powers though because she wasn't drained by the thing to like power this world she was away mm-hmm. from it and i think that's the reason True. the rest of them don't have powers is that all that was drained out of them to power the reality warping or whatever um Interesting. So, yeah so so that might be a thing but but yeah I, I, they have to confront the father and this has been the problem with their family the whole time is mm-hmm. just all the trauma that he put into them by the way that he raised them and so i think that's going to be the end game is confronting dad finding out why dad did all this beyond just trying to get his wife back. That's obviously part of it. Um, But, uh, and then, you know, them triumphing over him. I think that'll, you know, be like how they progress to their next steps in their lives. So, uh, and then answering the question of does Sloan even exist on this new world? Cause that was the other question of Sloan was the only one who didn't show up uh, outside of the elevator, but she, if she exists, she exists as part of that world. So she wouldn't remember Luther. So we're going to have to see, you know, some situation there and how does Luther handle that? So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, those are the things that I'm expecting and kind of looking forward to in the next season. Well said, well said, especially uh, considering Allison, because I don't think her days of uh, being maybe perhaps villainous are over because she's going to do everything she can to protect this world. Um, so if ever, if it, they come to her and they say, we want to stop dad, she, they're going to, she's going to be like, Nope, I got what I want. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a real big character mm-hmm. moment for her to see if she has to sacrifice something, uh, really, uh, Ashley, what about you? What, what do you want to see season five or four rather? Sorry. Yeah. Kind of a lot of the same as what, um, others have mentioned, I think that it might be good if season four was the last season, not because I don't want to keep seeing these characters, but I feel it's always best to leave the audience with less is more like wrap it up, end it on a really strong note. Cause I'm always afraid if you keep stretching out the story, then what if it gets too expensive or viewership drops off and Netflix is like, nah, and then we're just left with a cliffhanger and there's no resolution for the characters. So I think it would be nice if they, wrap things up and then if they decided to continue later they could but it would be nice to have some resolution to this four season arc that we've been going to and i'll be really curious to see what the characters do in this new world it certainly seems like some of them are kind of like you know what i'm okay with not having my powers i want to go try to live a normal life like these people have spent their whole lives like what 20 some years living in this crazy dysfunctional situation now they can go live a normal life and so kind of interesting to see which ones like really miss their powers and want that back and then yeah i think that allison will eventually come to a moment where she realizes on the surface i have what i want but this isn't necessarily real because we're living in a manufactured world that's controlled by reginald so i think she'll have to accept that it's better to have 
what's real, even if it's a less idealized version than to have this manufactured fake life. So, but yeah, I think there's still lots of interesting things to do. I'm curious to see what five ends up doing. And I think, yeah, there's a lot more interesting stuff still to come. So I hope that Netflix goes ahead and green lines it and then gives us some closure to the story. Yeah. I don't, you don't think uh five's just actually going to just retire. That'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> I think he yeah. says he wants to retire, but he's the type, he has to keep meddling. He's not going to be happy if he doesn't have some big project, some way to control the timeline. So he's yeah. never going to retire. It's I, interesting. I, I know do the think feeling. That, <laughs> I do think that several of the characters do have a reason to not like the, not to want to live in the timeline that is set up. Um, you know, certainly Vanya or Victor rather does not, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, he, he'd like to go back and change things, mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, for Harlan and his mother. Um, you know, Luther doesn't want to stay there cause he's not with Sloan. Uh, you know, Diego and Lila, I'm not sure. Um, because, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, if it turns out she's not pregnant. Like the, this world, she's not pregnant or something like that, then obviously that could be a big deal. Uh, or, you know, I mean, they did lose uh, Stan. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't remember the kid's name. But I don't know if that's enough for them to want to fight for another world. And uh, and at Klaus and Five, I don't, I don't know. They, I mean, they could have reasons. I don't, I can't, they don't come immediately to me what they could be. But um, as you said, uh, five likes to solve a, a challenge. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, just bring a challenge up to him, give him a, like a multi-sided cube, Rubik's cube or whatever. And, and he's going to like, want to go after it and solve it. Right. Can't help uh, himself. I, I think Diego is right. going to definitely be on the side against Reg though. I think that's, <laughs> that's all yeah. he needs. He doesn't need a bigger, yeah. like, Richard. No, that's it's true. just like, you know. That's like... true. Just, you know, oh, we want to kill dad? I mean. Yeah, yeah let's do it. I was going to say, I don't think he's going to go off and live with the Amish or anything like that. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you want to see from season five? Well, uh, four. I keep doing that. Season four, season five. I'm already pushing for a five, another season. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple different things. Um Something that you might have not noticed, there are two bends now. That's mm-hmm. right. Thank yes. you for pointing that out. Yes, that last mid-credit scene does give us uh, uh, an- another bend. So there yep. are two bends in this world. Yep, because be- the bend that was dead is back. The umbrella bend, as we like to call him. And so that's going to be interesting seeing th- what happens when the two of them meet up. And so that will be interesting. Uh, I want to see Luther with Sloan. I just thought mm-hmm. I, they deserve a happy ending some way. And I just, I think it's, I think it's turned out to be the love story of this series. Yeah, pretty much. What you don't mean, uh, Diego and <laughs> I mean, Diego and Lila are yeah. kind of there, but you know, uh, yeah, not they're... quite as touching and maybe exactly. more dysfunctional just slightly. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe. it's, it's, what is it? I saw a cartoon. Someone said that Luther and Sloan were like match.com where Diego and uh, Lila were FetLife or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do they love each other? Are they going to kill each other? You wake up each morning. Who knows? Exactly. It depends. Exactly. It's mostly her mood, you know, and everything. 
it would be kind of interesting to see if for some reason we get a return of Cha-Cha and Hazel. Hazel? Be, yeah. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see if they come back. It'd be very interesting to see if the keeper comes back or, you know. And so there's a lot of possibilities. But remember, none of these folks have powers. So I think that was part of his plan was, you know, let them live their lives, give them a life where they can be normal, as they said at the end of the series. You know, live our lives. Well, yeah. Well, I think, I, I'm I not sure he... he expected Allison to interrupt it. I think he was going to kill them all, like drain them until they were dead. And then just he and Allison would have their life, like their perfect lives that they could go to. <laughs> and that was it. So mm -hmm. yeah. I don't trust we him. Don't, yeah. oh, don't, there's that, nothing that to trust true. about him. Right. We, we don't know if everything ended and was just reborn. And this is a new world and everything's new. Or if there's carryover, right? We don't know mm -hmm. if, as Nathan mm -hmm. said, the characters were drained of their powers, or if this is just like oh, a wow. like a this is just like the way that Reg wrote this world, and that's how these characters are. Um, I, you know, I guess we'll 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 see. We'll see. Hopefully that there will be a, another season. Uh, if there is, I would probably won't get it until if at all late i mean earliest late next year right yeah uh because they haven't even they haven't even signed on to say there's one yet so i would imagine that it probably won't happen and, and we won't see it actually until maybe 2023 or 2024 maybe wow goodness gracious uh but uh certainly it'll be one to watch and i'm i know that you'll be there and hopefully you guys can Join us again when we review that season as well when it comes out. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to be right back and we're going to close out the show. You got past our security, but we're done here. You got 30 seconds to get out of our house. And if we don't? Then we'll have to settle this the old fashioned way. Agreed. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Part 2. So if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and skip forward, but I tried to give it a few weeks so it wouldn't really be spoilers for people. So, after the whirlwind that was Part 1, we get the Hawkins team figuring out that Vecna needs four portals to be able to open the gate between the two worlds. And he's already got three of them done. Nancy gets a glimpse of what the future will hold for Hawkins from Vecna. Max says she will help lure him, and then all they have to do is attack him and then bring her back. All while Team California is trying to also get to Hawkins to help, but first they have to rescue Elle, since Sullivan has decided that Elle needs to die, which gives us an actually pretty awesome helicopter scene. Elle then decides that they can't get there in time and that she sh could help by projecting herself into Vecna's realm like she's done in past seasons and then fighting him. So they find a pizza boy and they make her an area where she can submerge herself in water and do her thing. Team Russia is also working on getting home by fighting demigorgons and then talking the Russian pilot guy into flying them back to America after realizing that 
maybe he should help these people. The ending of this season had me gutted. Eddie, who we all grew to love, is possibly dead. I still have hope. I hope that they pull a cool D&D twist on it for us and we get to see him again. Max is alive, but not alive, and now in a coma, and Hopper and Elle have been reunited. We also see Will reacting to the portal that's been opened in Hawkins now, so we have to think, will Vecna try to use Will again like he's done in past seasons? The fifth season will be the last season of the show, and I really, really hope they don't let us down, because so far the creators of Stranger Things have been on fire with these seasons and these storylines. So I have a lot of hope that we're going to get some great stuff in Season 5. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Modern Musicology is a podcast covering topics on rock and pop, ranging mostly from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, with occasional excursions into the 60s and aughts, and even occasionally the 2010s. Anything is fair game. Classic rock, R&B, folk, punk, prog, rap, metal and way more with two americans one brit a ton of fun and a healthy dose of cynicism well folks you've made it through another marathon episode of earth station one i want to thank everyone for joining us tonight uh, of course, let's thank the ones who are with us right now. Of course, Nathan, thank you so, so much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show. I always like to be on the mothership. Anything you want to promote, my friend? Uh, well, yeah, you can always find me on the 42 cast, which is another uh, podcast on the ESO network. Where it's, uh, we talk about anything and everything in the Geekosphere, and uh, we're going to be covering D23 soon. So uh, check that out in a month or so. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. That's... I think I'm uh, scheduled to join that part of the station uh, pretty soon, right? That's right. You're going to be talking about Superman and Lois with us. That's awesome. Very cool. And, of course, Ashley Pauls, thank you, as always, for being here for us. Oh, thank you. It's fun to do a double feature tonight. Yes, you were with <laughs> us for the whole thing. And also, let's thank Rob Levy real quick for joining us, who's no longer with us tonight. Not, he's still with us, but he's... <laughs> <laughs> 2022 yeah. has been weird. So yeah. I better, like, I better be horrible in the <laughs> middle of a podcast. Somebody just, ah, and kills over. Yeah. No, that, that would be the Umbrella Academy, folks. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Ashley, so, so much for being here. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, well, um, we've spent a lot of talking about uh, stories that are willing to take weird and kind of offbeat chances. So I want to give a shout out to the movie Nope by Jordan Peele. I actually convinced myself I was brave enough to go to the theater to watch a scary movie. And it was a really interesting experience, a lot to uh, dig into deeper there. So I was able to post a review over on the ESO podcast website, but would recommend it to people even if you're not normally a horror person there's it's actually more of a thriller than a straight horror movie so um i would definitely recommend you check it out and again support some movies that aren't necessarily part of a big franchise and just um it's good to see different types of storytelling happening in the theater so i would recommend checking that one out awesome 
Yep, that's just one that I'll watch when it's on streaming because nope to go see it at the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so that way if it gets to it, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll pause. Go the the worst yeah, part go. was the monkey. That's all I'll say, but that was worse than anything else that happened in the movie. And that's that's the warning I'll give. Oh, poor Pogo. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not Pogo, so <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Thank you, as always. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Man, these uh, these twofers are getting like, I mean, it's a lot of heavy lifting we're doing, man. Yep, exactly. It's And we've got another one next week. I'll talk about it in a sec. We do, we do. Yep. So anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, one of them shows that we're that we're not covering in one of our uh, episodes coming up, which is a shame because there's just so much out there we can't cover everything. But uh, uh, one of the shows ended uh, had their season finale, which was the Orville New Horizons on uh, Hulu. Um, let me tell you, this show when it first started, I was not a big fan, uh, and I kind of came around to just liking it. But this past season was pretty incredible television. Um, a lot of really great episodes. Uh, some stuff that uh, they were really bold um, and uh, storytelling wise and character wise. And I really appreciated the season. Um, and uh, I hope there's more. But uh, I do, I do really appreciate it. And I, I recommend anybody who has Hulu or coming soon to Disney Plus, uh, check out uh, the previous seasons are pretty good. I think they serve as, I think you kind of have to watch some of the previous seasons in order to really appreciate New Horizons. But um, it's a pretty incredible uh, series overall. And uh, I, I give a shout out to everybody involved. That's awesome. It is an, a great show. And it felt like it just got better and better, especially this season. Each mm-hmm. episode just, you know, they touched on some very controversial storylines. And they did Very relevant storylines. Very much so. And very, I'm very happy. And for those who didn't know, Orville is actually coming to Disney+. Plus, So you'll be able to see all three seasons of... Orville on Disney Plus, I think next week or later this week. It's uh, yeah. the 10th, August 10th. Yeah, so yeah. this week. So that's pretty awesome that we're Just going to, to be able Make to sure it. you like turn off that parental guide thing. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you won't see it otherwise. You got to hey. turn off the parental guide thing. Oh, I did because I wanted to see Deadpool. So it's okay. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. So awesome, guys. Um, for me, my shout out real quick. I got to go yard sailing over the weekend. We actually uh, went to the 127 yard sale. For those who don't know what that is, it is the largest yard sale in the United States. It's 690 miles long. And it is a very big yard, you know, and, you know, it, and it was a ton of fun. It was from Gadsden, Alabama to all the way up into, I think, central Michigan. And it is a ton of fun if you get a chance. We actually didn't do it from the start of it. We just did Saturday and Sunday because it goes from Thursday till Sunday um, officially. And it, we started in Chattanooga and went. we made it by 4 p.m. on Sunday up to into Kentucky. And so, but most of the time was going through Tennessee. And it's just not people... 
who have houses along the route, um, having yard sales in their front yards. When he came to like empty fields or um, basically, you know, fairgrounds or something, you had hundreds of vendors set up on either side of the road. And people would be you, – you'd be sitting in traffic sometimes because people were trying to get in and out of these, you know, areas. And it was just amazing to see stuff. A lot of it was junk. A lot of it was, you know, garbage. But, you know, somebody's garbage is somebody else's treasures, as they like to say. And, you know, we bought, you know, our usual stuff. We came home with a, a CRV full. And it was it was awesome. We bought some yard work, including a new member of the family, you know, Fred Faber, you know, the chicken, who's five and a half feet tall. So it's pretty awesome. It's pretty and, impressive. I saw the pictures. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And we also got to pick up some other yard art. We picked up Judy picked up a pair of sneakers that are usually like 150 bucks. She got them for like 45. And it was pretty and this is brand new stuff. This is just this guy had tables and tables of shoes. And these are Merrell's for anyone who knows what shoes, you know, different brands of shoes. So it was pretty amazing. Um, we got, you know, road signs, we got, um, comics, we got CDs, we got, you know, a couple pieces of art, we got some stuff for the house. It was just, it was a ton of fun, you know, but the, it was always looking for the diamond in the rough too. So, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of it was already picked over by the time we got up to places on Sunday in Kentucky, but it was cool. And it was just a neat experience. And we got to go to Bucky's, which is even better. So, yeah. <laughs> So we went to the first Bucky's in Tennessee. So it was awesome. So it was a ton of fun. And we're already planning on doing it again next year. So it was, you know, a neat adventure. And it was neat to just go and have fun and be in the heat. Uh, the heat, eh, but it was okay. Um, speaking of heat, join us again next week. We've got another double feature. That's because we just got so much to talk to you guys about. But we'll be back again next week. And we are going to be looking at The Boys Season 3. And we are also going to be looking at Westworld Season 4. Oof, wow. I think we could do a four-hour podcast just on Westworld alone. And uh, the boys, them, really. Yeah, actually, you're right. So be prepared. Strap in. It should be a ton of fun. And as always, thank you for listening. And please, you know, feedback is always welcome. Feedback at earthstation1.com. And if you always, we like to say... Thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Air Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. You know, we're like along there with on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all of them. You know, all the good podcasts are there. Air Station One's there also alongside of them. So it's pretty cool. Thanks and tell all your friends about us. And, you know, subscribe. And if you get a chance, please leave five stars, as we like to say. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and Mike Gordon, thanks to Ashley Pauls, Nathan Laws, and, of course, Rob Levy. Thanks for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. And you know what? Dragon Con's right around the corner, folks, so let's go have fun. We will see you soon. Peace. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.